Okay, let's see if we can do this. This, this could be tricky. How tricky could it be? Well, you know, tricky, tricky. And tricky is uh, my middle name. So I push that button. Then I push this button. Then I think I push this button. And let's see what happens. That's two rings. Todd. Bob. What's going on? <laughs> I don't My internet's dead. It's weird. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Pre-Accident Podcast. I'm Todd Conklin. How are you? It's another day. So uh, this is a fun little discussion. Uh, a better guy, I think, would have edited it better. But what the heck? It was fun. Bob and I got to talk because we were coordinating this workshop we're doing in March. So if you don't know about the workshop in March, that's uh, I, don't, I don't even need to talk about it very much. It's in Santa Fe. Um, it's like the 9th through the 11th of March. We'll talk about it more. But uh, this is <laughs> this is the conversation. And, and uh, well, I don't know. The best thing to do is just sit back and see what you think. That is a good way to celebrate today's podcast. Plus, this will be fun to listen to. I think you'll enjoy it. This will be something good to do while you're walking the dog or painting your house. Oh, that's my favorite joke. Oh, I love that joke. I, I still got the joke. It's I got to get that done, too. So everything's good here. Um, you know, it's the end of the year rush. So trying to get everything done and fixed up and going and lots of administrivia. Lots of just administrative crap. I, I, I would call it organizational crap, not operational crap. You know what I mean? And and that's a part of it as well. But in, nonetheless, this will be a little vacation for you and a fun little podcast to listen to. So sit back and relax. Enjoy. I'm glad you're here. It's always fun. Thanks for uh, listening. Tell your friends. This is a conversation between Todd and Bob. You guys coming up in snow or something like the weather event or no? It's uh, it's cold, but uh, but it's uh, not snow so much. But now I'm well, trying. You know that, that that internet stuff doesn't go through those internet tubes when it gets real cold. <laughs> I think it slows it down. I think it's so funny how um, how incredibly just addicted we are. Is addicted the right word? Connected. So probably connected slash addicted. Like, as long as we can truly set it down and walk away for eight minutes without touching it, maybe we're not fully addicted. But <laughs> <laughs> it, It's amazing. Like, when it goes out, you're just out. So so I'm just going to I'm, I'm gonna try to record us by phone and see if I can get us covered. Plus, it's a chance yeah. to try the, the phone thing and see if it works. You yeah, sound pretty uh, good. You sound pretty good. I, I, I am pretty good. Are you uh, not working today? Uh, so I worked early this morning with uh, uh, online training. So I was traveling this week, but then yesterday and today are virtual stuff. So, uh, And then I've got this call with, with you, and then I've got to catch up with um, our good friends in um, uh, PLNL in Trinidad. Uh, oh. Just a quick chat with them. So, Oh, very cool. Have you been there, yeah. have you been there yet? Yeah, so this is my first, you know, we've been working virtually, but this is my first trip there this year and it was you told me it would be quite industrial it was amazing to see a 
uh, Caribbean island that was heavily industrialized like that. I mean, it looked like, like I don't know, some Texas city or something. I mean, it was like big factories and stuff all over the place and a bunch of harbor stuff there. And yeah, it was good. Yeah. It's kind of, that's kind of what, what goes on there. I mean, it's, it's pretty interesting. Are you uh, doing much international travel? Uh, so done for the year, but let's see. I went to Brazil. That was my first time. I know you've been there a hundred times. But it was my first time to Brazil. That was really interesting. Did you eat pizza? And, and um, so okay. So this is my thing about Brazil. They have the best pizza. And, oh well, they have the best food. Yeah, it's like every you. place we would go, and every time we would eat something, this is the phrase they used, and I started teasing them about it because it's true. They said, "Okay, so this dish is a traditional Brazilian dish, and it's delicious." So by the end of the week, I'm like, wait, 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 I got it. This is also a traditional Brazilian dish, and I bet it's delicious. And it was. Oh, yeah. And I was there when they won the the game against, oh, who they play in, in soccer slash real football uh, or international football. Um, but I was at the airport flying back when the game was on, and I bet there was a lot of Brazilians who missed their flights that day. Because <laughs> <laughs> at, every, at every cafe, every you know, at the airport, people were just like, surrounding the TVs and watching. Of course, when a score was made, the entire, in spite of itself, the sprinkler systems, it was just a crazy amount of energy. It was great. Oh, it's amazing. But now I guess it's down to Argentina and who? Argentina uh, and, and France, dude. France, is it? I, yes. knew, I, I knew Argentina was in, and I wasn't sure who that last one was. I think they had a game, what, yesterday or something? And France is, um, you know, they won last time. So they're well, so they've already had their time. They don't they need to like share. <laughs> I agree. I agree. But Argentina, well, has, like, Argentina has Messi. Like, what's that? Argentina Ar- what? Has Messi. So they have like the best, you know, he's considered the best player in the world. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's interesting because in that space, the best win, right? Because you just got to be able to, you got to be able to do that other team. I don't know how they can run for that long. Like it's in incredible, my best isn't it? condition ever, I could not run as much as they run. It's a, and they, and they don't go anywhere. Just back and forth, back and forth, <laughs> back and forth, back and forth. Yeah, it's like they never leave that little pitch. It's just always there. It's constantly there. I mean, we should probably tell them they could get on the roads and they could go a long ways with that amount That's of running. Right. An e-bike. What if they had an <laughs> e-bike? That would be perfect. Uh, that'd be perfect. Yeah. Ideal. How many miles do you have on your e-bike now? Oh, you know, it got stolen. What? Yeah. Yeah. Somebody stole my bike out of my front yard while I was teaching a class, um, actually an online class. So I was probably, in actual footage, I was probably five feet away from the bike. Unreal. And they got it at 5.37 p.m. And they got it out of my front yard. And they had to they had climbed the fence. It was quite a deal. They wanted it. But I had, a, it's funny, I had almost exactly 7,000 miles on it when they stole it. Wow. So. It's too bad it's not like a cell phone where you can just go online and just completely well, shut it down. So I had it. Yeah, I know. I wish. I had a tracker on it, but they discovered the tracker. So, and they oh, threw it on wow. the roof of a house. But I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see. It's, it's, I, bought, I replaced it. I have kind of a bike purchasing issue right now. I have more bikes than I need. Well, but it's still not nice for somebody to steal one. I mean, you might have given it to him if he said, I really, really need that. Oh, yeah, they could have had it. Yeah, I, I would give it away. It had too many miles on it. How's your boat? Do you ever finish your boat? Well, so the, there's no such thing as a finished boat. Oh, um, I didn't know that. I'm just naive. like when I said I bought a boat for $1,500 like four years ago, Mark Eston said there's no such thing as a $1,500 ski boat. Uh, so now thousands, if not probably tens, 
I bet I have twenty grand in that thing, but it is beautiful. But this um, this winter, I'm rebuilding the engine. It it wasn't like bad. It just was starting to, you know, you could see a little smoke coming out, and and so it's it's time. It's an old engine, um, but it, it's a Ford engine. So Sean Cog's gonna be proud of me. That's right. Ford engine on him. Sean will Sean will make that baby go. It'll make it. It'll it'll make it go. And yeah. how's how's so, next? Does next year look good for you? Are you excited? Uh, yep, yep. Looking looking busy. Starts off week one back from into the new year. I've got a couple of days, and here we go again. So and and you know the deal, man. I I love to go to places in person. So my virtual is probably twenty percent and probably eighty percent in person. And you know the travel's hard, but you know that. How do you uh, how do you feel about airports? Still love them. Um, you know, I, I've always loved airports and it's like, if I, I just can't get enough time in them, I could just find a way that I could maybe have my office in the airport would be perfect. So are you excited um, about, uh, about March? Our little meeting? We oh have not done a, yeah. And how, how long has it been? Is it, it's pre COVID, well, right? So I was going to ask you, cause the last one we were going to do was the one we were doing in Chattanooga. Yep. That's so right. And when, it got nixed because of when stupid was, COVID. When was that? I mean, what, I don't even, it had to have been 2019? It was, no, I, I think it was, I think we had it, we were holding it. I remember they let us out of that deal because they realized another one's going to reopen, but that would be 2020, right? But it seemed like it was longer than that ago. I mean, maybe. I don't know, 2019 or 2020, and that was what we were going to do in Chattanooga, and then uh, then the world fell apart. So, so, so 2020, so this is going to be 2023, yeah, March. So, so it's probably, it's almost probably exactly three years. Isn't that something? One, two, three. Yeah, 2023. 20, that is amazing. That uh-huh. is amazing. And it's going to be four days this time, right? You've got four days of stuff lined up? Is that yeah, correct? so it's lined up in March. The dates are, um, uh, but it looks like it's going to be like the, 6th through the 9th, March 6th through the 9th, and it's in Santa Fe just because um, I had a really hard time finding a place to do it. Well, so it's in March. When is it, March? 6th through 9. 6th through 9. 8, 9, yeah, that's right. Well, that's not even the date that I had in there. Well, it's a a surprise for you. (laughs) Surprise. Surprise! I had, I had, when did I have? Boom, 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 boom. I'm looking. I don't even. I, I had it in here and then I moved it because I saw that thing that Jay posted. Right. And then so it's changed again. I don't think it's changed. Um, that I think. Uh, I think that's been the date, but I mean, I'm okay. just. I'm just going on my calendar. Well, yeah, that's better than my calendar. <laughs> so it's March six through eight. Right. Six through nine. March six. Six to nine. Yeah. Okay. And so day one is. Uh, so I was thinking do fundamental, fundamental, and then learning, and then the fourth day will be uh, like pre Mark's pre job stuff and psych safety stuff, psychological safety stuff. Okay, cool. So so the eighth is the learning team. Yeah. Stuff good, and, and so I, I can like that. That is actually just a straight up. So I don't have it on my schedule. I just put it on here. So I've got to find where I had it and take it off of there. Oh, I'm glad. We, um, I'm glad we talked once again. Right, it's good timing. Um, so that, yeah, no problem. I can for sure be there on the eighth for the learning team thing, which I know that's kind of what you're wanting me to do anyway. But I'll try to see what I can do about uh, 
the stuff on either side of that and try to free up another day to be able to come and hang out. Are, yeah. are you booked around there the whole time? Yeah, but it's, uh, see, so it's virtual and then it's something for a couple of hours in Colorado on Tuesday. Uh, and then Wednesday's wide open. And then Thursday is TVA here in Chattanooga. So I might be able to get them to, you know, I'll figure, I'll figure out something. I'll definitely be there for the Wednesday learning key thing. Okay, cool. Well, Colorado's like a local call. Well, yeah, right. So I might be able to do the, I might be able to, oh, that's actually a good idea. I'll take a look at it. So I might be able to come like for a half of Monday even hang out before the fundamentals. Yeah. And head over to Colorado because it's just for a two-hour thing in Colorado, some kind of safety meeting. Yeah, that's, uh, we're in Colorado. Do you remember? Um, yeah, actually, I've got the... Uh, Lakewood, Colorado. Yeah, that's Denver. Okay, cool. So that's, uh, you know, five hours. Easy five hours. Yeah, nice. Um, I wanted you to see my office. I built an office. Man, I'm, I'm, I would be all over it if the stupid internet was working. I know. Because I've got it. It's in pretty good shape. And, um, yeah, I've got, I'm still, you know, finishing up little details, but you'll you'll like the looks of it. It looks really nice. Very. Has anyone uh, tra- hardwood floors? What's oh, that? nice. Has anyone traveled to see it? Uh, no, but people have seen it. Actually, it's funny because people in some of these virtual calls have seen it go from me with my computer on a box in the middle of a construction area um, to now a, a finished office and just doing trim work and stuff now. So nice. And, and I did like you did. I, I put in some sound deadening panels, and it's really helping with the. Uh, like the echo and stuff. So yeah, the, be that, those are um, pretty vital. I agree. That's a pretty big part of, of, and, and I did it because one of, one of my, well, you know, we, we, we downsized and ended up in a bigger house with two apartments. <laughs> and so I'm not sure how that worked, but that's what it was supposed to be downsizing. And then we were going to like Airbnb or VRBO, those two apartments, which now are full of my kids who have moved back home. And so it's all good, right? I mean, everyone that knows me knows I have 12 kids and 15 grandkids. And then one of my other daughters moved home, so she took my office. So I built this one uh, in the one of our garages, and uh, it turned out really nice. It's got a nice window and a door that goes out each side. And if another kid moves home, Todd, I'm going to put a yurt up in the woods. There Not you go. Not for them, for me. For me. I'll take the yurt. Um, I just got to hopefully hold on to this one. For a bit, I don't know. Yurts are pretty nice, man. They're they're <laughs> fancy out here. I mean, are they? You can spend as much on a yurt as you could on a house. Easy. Uh, I totally believe that. Yep, I totally easy, believe it. easy. They just put one actually on the bike trail really close to my house, and it's got well, it's got like, it's quite fancy. I mean, it's got really. You might you might check your bike over there, eh? <laughs> oh, I've I've been on the hunt. I always have my eye peel for the bike. So oh I'm always ready for that. So that's so frustrating. That'll be a good time. So it looks hey, like what kind of what kind of new stuff are you talking about these days? Um, so I'm spending a lot of time talking about uh the changing nature of the workforce and how we once really relied on experience, right? So a lot of the adaption that happens in real time around the globe, but within organizations is really smart people detect and correct problems before they happen. 
And what's yeah, and happened? We thought it was all really. We thought it was really clever procedures, didn't we? Yeah, exactly. yeah. I guess we wrote. <laughs> we finally cracked the code and wrote that good procedure. And then what's yeah. happening now is a lot of those people, um, of yep. course, are retiring because that's normal, and that's always existed. But a lot of people aren't coming back to the the workforce the way they once did. The the changing nature of sort of what employment looks like, and so because yep. that senior, uh, not senior, that experience, I guess senior, but experience levels changing. We've got a lot of green on green. Yep. So what that's meant is companies have had to really look differently at how they create resilience in real time, the the non-knowable resilience, the adaptive resilience. And it means it's really changed the way companies are looking at supervisors, which is about freaking time. Oh, uh, no kidding, right? Sort of they're moving away from sort of uh, uh, even kind of the – the ingrained Taylorism that they don't even know is Taylorism. And I'm really pushing companies to think about how much time they want their supervisors to be involved in organizational issues and how much time they want their supervisors to be involved in operational issues. Yeah. Interesting. What do you find in the percentage? Just a rough, like you said, the quickest supervisors these days spend probably most of their time in organizational. Yeah, yeah, and, and, it. and it's meetings and emails and timekeeping and, and all yeah, that kind yep. of stuff. And so they're they're having to really rethink how they do onboarding, how they do training. Retention's a big issue; it's a huge issue actually. Yep. And then um, how the the supervisor's role in managing resilience and high reliable work that that's important. So lots of discussions on that. You take a look at some of these, and you know, we work, you, you and I both, we work with a lot of power companies, and I'm finding that a lot of the, I don't know what you call them now, four person, or what, they used to be foreman, whatever it's supposed to be called uh-huh. now, um, they're, they're in the field a lot of times, but they're in their truck filling out paperwork. Right. Not out there watching the guy next to 44,000 volts. They're, they're, they're in their truck, and so they're actually not out there where the work is happening, even right. when they're in the field. Right. And so companies, I think companies have been thinking about decluttering for a while, but the way they're approaching decluttering is kind of stupid. They're making decisions at the senior level and they're going in and saying, we're going to do a full, you know, work simplification process and we're going to remove stuff from the, and they're not talking to the supervisors. And so what I'm having companies do, not that it's very smart because I mean, who doesn't think of this is actually go out and ask the supervisors, what do we need to take away? What adds no value at all, and where do we need to give you support? Where can we actually add value with the deliberate goal being to rely on this adaptive nature of work? So that's been um, a pretty valuable conversation to have, actually. Uh, it'll, It'll be interesting to see what companies do, partially, Bob, because they have to do something. They're at a point now where... They they can talk about this. And the funny thing is, is they all say, well, you know, we've tried this. We've tried to simplify. We've really looked at this. Well, yeah. the quick answer is they, they really haven't. They've done what they thought was effective ways to declutter work. But they just, and the bottom line is they just got, they have to get rid of dumb requirements. Yeah. It's, it's just, they can no longer afford to have them because yeah. what they used to count on has is not there. It's left them. 
So that's been interesting. What are you doing? What are you looking at? Yeah, well, actually, some very, very similar stuff to that in, in realizing that we thought these procedures had really come a long ways, and then all these people are leaving like, crap, we don't know how to do the work. Yeah. <laughs> and so you, and, and to your point, too, we sometimes we like standardize. I was just at a site recently, and their lockout tagout process with all the paperwork involved with it used to be two pages at this particular site. It was quite clear and crisp and well done because it was developed by that site where they came out with the, the, the corporate version. I know you're not, you're not, even, you're not even going to be a little bit surprised, but the corporate version was seven pages. Yeah. Right. So everybody will use this and it didn't even have some of the critical stuff that their two major had. Yeah. And they just were all forced to do it because it's easy to come in and audit if everybody's doing it the same way. In my mind, it's sort of a, it's sort of a standardization bias, right? Which we can take that too far. And so right. in this operational learning team, they actually showed how they could, there were a couple of things that were better with the seven pager, but if they could take those couple of things and add them to the two pager, guess what it still turned out to be? Oh, about a two pager. Um, but you can have the, the other couple of things in there, but it had some really, really important information that wasn't even in the seven pager. So it's cool because corporate asked for the learning team, which means if they ask for it, you've got to be willing to listen. So I thought that was a pretty cool instance where I think they're going to clean it back up and make it better and actually safer. Yeah. And then this is another one, Todd, that I'm doing a lot with, and, and you probably are too. Like, I mean, I'm notorious. People who know me know that I don't, I don't get all excited about metrics. Matter of fact, a lot of times I don't even like them. But I realize that you, you have to have metrics. And I, I mean, I'm an engineer, so you think that I would love metrics. But what I'm realizing is we, we have – and you, like, I'm not telling you anything, but just from a from an interesting point of view, I think you'll like it. I'm saying, okay, it's not it's not the metric; it's the metric without the context. That, that's what's really scary. Like a metric without context can be dangerous, maybe even deadly. Where we think by the numbers we're doing great, and then but we don't know how we got those numbers. And so I'm not telling like leaders to get rid of metrics, I'm saying we have got to be more curious, a lot less judgmental, a lot more curious, like how did we actually reach these numbers? What's the context behind it? So that's opening up some really uh, sort of fun conversations and a can of worms occasionally, because we find out, in fact, the numbers looked great, but they weren't actually giving us a true picture. And that happens probably more often than not. How are you capturing, uh, we, how are yeah. you capturing context? How are they, how are they, Cause, cause well, right now it's right. The, yeah, right now it has to be conversational. But I said we have to figure out. Right now, think about it. You know this because you talk to board of directors and whatever. Pretty much what they see is metrics and scorecards and dashboards. And like, if we see an improvement in a number, there has to be some way to explain to that board of directors or that leadership team or even just the plant management team what actually got us there and is it is it real? Like, are we actually better now or did we just figure a way to count those? beans differently and now it looks better but it's actually not better so it's conversational in the review of the metric but i think it's we start to have this conversation more and more we might even figure out how to like if you look at a dashboard and you look at a metric there's a way to at least give some sort of drop down where they can get some context behind them because that's what we do all the time right we're always unlocking the context of the blue line the real work We've got to get that information out to the organization instead of just giving them more numbers or, or an improvement in numbers without any context. And it makes sense, right? It's just the key is is that they're so limited, or maybe I should yep. say we're we're so limited by the fact that we've we've built these systems that uh, 
it's it's they purposely have kept the context out. Yep. In order to create an efficient numerical system that they could, you know, look at the number really fast. And in doing so, they've dumbed down the metrics so that they're, you know, they're, they're not really measuring. It cracks me up. I still am kind of fixated on the fact that they measure what they don't want. And they're not right. measuring what they do want. Yep. It just seems goofy that way. So, yep. but I think you're right. I think that's, that's key. That's, that's a really great possibility. People could really yeah, grow so it's kind of It's kind of a, uh, for, for me, it's an adventure, right? To, to work with these organizations and, and figure out ways. And it's happening like locally a lot easier because you have a production meeting or you have your weekly meeting with Scott O, like recently, right? And so, so in a situation like that where Scott O, plant manager, we don't just give him numbers. And he actually got started getting, you know, interested in more and more in the context, uh, even when I still work back at that GE factory. Um, so, yeah, I think it's going to be good for us. It's going to be scary at times because I think we're going to look at numbers and then look at the context and say, whoop, that's actually not, that doesn't make me comfortable anymore. And there needs to be a push and a pull for this. So yeah. leaders need to be more curious about the context. And so that's going to pull that data. And yep. then we have to have systems that are more transparent around yep. the context part, which will push that data. And exactly. and so that's a pretty big shift. I mean, that's it, that's it a is. huge difference in how people are working. And it's making a difference. I'm real concerned with the fatality numbers because they're increasing. And there's always the fear that when fatality numbers increase, they go back to command and control. Right. And that's... So I'm watching that happen really around the globe, and it's frightening yep. to me because we know command and control doesn't reduce fatalities because we know fatalities aren't a they're not a they're they're not a loss of command they're a loss of control, right? So that's been interesting. I mean, it's the yep. whole the whole trip's kind of interesting. I, I, it's I know going to be fun to see what happens next. I think. Well, that's it's, and it's been. I mean, you've been on this journey longer than I have. I've been on this journey for about almost 10 years now, believe it or not. Wow. Um, you started You started when you were a baby. When I was just a pop. That's right. A tiny pop. Um, and uh, and to, to watch this happening. And then I think it's helpful, though, that some of these organizations realize that the world of work is not getting less complex. It's getting more complex. Like, we're, we've not, we're not headed towards a simpler, easier day. We're headed towards more. I think we have to get better at understanding and manage, managing complexity. Nothing wrong with simplifying, but like you said, if we're not careful, we simplify the wrong thing. Well, I mean, we don't the, have the right people in the conversation. The quick answer is that you don't simplify complex problems. You you right. make them transparent. You learn about complex problems. You learn but you about them, you understand them right. But I've literally heard people talking about, well, we have to simplify everything. And I'm like, I think we have to get better at understanding complexity. Right. Cause and, and then managing that kind of work. Do you think people are are... It's really interesting you say that because you would think after what we've gone through, the global uncertainty, I mean, we're going through it now. It's not even over. You would think people would be sort of embracing the fact that the world's uncertain. But I do agree with you. I think people are really thinking, man, when it gets back to normal, when it gets back to simple, we'll we'll be good to go. And and I, I think leaders are realizing that's not true anymore and that that's not what the future looks like. Yeah. And so I think we, rather than be afraid of it, we embrace it and we get really, really good at, I, I oh, I heard this. You'll love this. And, and Andy 
could tell you who had said it. I can't remember who said it, but somebody recently said, we have to create the capacity for, for candor. We've got to be, like you said, transparent, but kind of a common maintenance man approach is I got to be more candid with you. I got to tell you the right. truth. So the capacity for candor um, in these organizations so that I can truly tell you what's actually really the blue line, right? What's going on. And you're going to be actually thankful, even if it's scary. And, um, you know, Scott O back in the day when we first started this, that uh, when I was doing a lot of those learning teams at my site, uh, you know, he would kick those things off and he would say, I don't care how scary the story is. Tell me the real mess, but then also help me make it better. So even, even back then he was realizing he needs to know about, as Hollenagel's model shows, right? All those blue lines of variability. I need to know about that mess. I also need your help to make it better. And that's that. And I think that's good. That's that psychological safety component that I think is really important, yeah. which I think will be a good part of the little conference we do. I'm looking forward to seeing you guys. This will be fun. I know. I know. I think I've only seen you once. I came out there one time, right? Since the initial pandemic yeah. thing. Because I, I rode on one of your e bikes. Right. And now I have a ton of them. Parked, I think it was the e-bike that you had parked in uh, slot F6, <laughs> if I remember correctly. That's right. Here's your keys. Yeah. And yeah actually, you just had two at the time, but you know, I'm, I'm hoping that I'll come out there enough that I'll be a frequent flyer and I'll be able just to walk up and see my name on the board that's right. and grab my that's right. up, I can go. A, Maybe e-bi- that's what that guy did that, that took your bike. He thought he just... He did. He thought it was his or she. I, yep. I don't know. Whoever stole well, my bike was, they were stealing packages off porches because they left me a whole box full of uh, Amazon packages. <laughs> so they traded the packages for the bicycle. Which is, <laughs> the bike is terrible. It's how it works. Like, hey, that's more valuable. We don't know what's in these boxes, but I know that bike. That is how it worked. Yeah. Well, man, that was cool. Yeah. Looking forward to seeing you in just a few months here. And and you've already had your birthday, so now you're older than me. I know. I can't uh, believe it. Until April, and then I'll catch up with you again. I cannot believe that I'm I'm almost 40. So there we yeah, go. Right. There we go. <laughs> I wonder how many people will listen to this and go, well, doesn't Bob realize that Todd is always the same amount of age older than him? <laughs> it, that never changes. That never changes. Yeah, that never changes. But I'll catch up with you numerically. Uh, in April. Okay, we'll we'll mark it down on your calendar. Be there for sure. March six, seven, eight, and nine. You got it, buddy. All right in in Santa Fe, New Mexico, at Hotel Santa Fe. Hotel. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, it's gonna be good. It'll be really good. Yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. And and Martha will be there. Martha will be there, right? And Martha. And who else? Uh, Mark. Jay. Mark Yeston, myself, and you. Nice. Sounds good, brother. All right. Talk to you. Later, Tater. Bye. All right. Bye. That's the pod. See you in March. We'd love to have you. It'd be fun. If you can, if you can sneak away, come and join us. If not, we'll do another one. I promise. It's, uh, it's always something to do. I'll see you next year. I'm looking forward to it. It should be fun. We're going to have a good time. I'll see you next year someplace. Maybe in Chicago at the airport at Oakley Corner. If you fly United, you know exactly what I just said. Oakley Corner. Uh, that That's important. Until then, learn something new every single day. Have as much fun as you possibly can. Thanks for listening. Be kind to each other. Check in on one another. And for goodness sakes, you guys, be safe. <laughs>